frequency of heaven I want to be. Good morning and welcome to the Frequency of Heaven podcast. God bless you. May he keep you. May he bring peace and grace into your life that you would know that you're fearfully and wonderfully made. I just pray that you're having a good week. And if not, uh, that you would have a pivot (laughs) today. My podcast is very simple. Be a dog, not a cat. (laughs) I want you to be a dog, not a cat. We have a Yorkie Shih Tzu who is this little 10-pound dog that honestly is mostly a cat. Like it's a cat personality in a tiny little dog body. And then there's Poe. He's the Australian Shepherd. This is actually Shelby's dog. And Popo, he is all boy and he's all dog and he, he's a crazy guy. And he, um, my, my main thing, and you know how it is with, with cats. Cats will sit over there in the corner and lick themselves and expect you to come show them attention. And, uh, but Poe, when Poe comes, and, and Sophie's kind of like that. And she actually even licks her paws constantly. So she uh, she's just part cat. I love her to death. But Poe, when Poe wants love, he never plays hard to get. He comes up to you. He comes up running. Uh, you know, he will, uh, depending on how you're sitting or laying, he'll put his head underneath your hand and wiggle in and say, pet me. You know, I mean, he will do whatever. He'll bring toys, but he he will do all the work and to let you know it's time to give him attention. It's time to love. He doesn't play hard to get. He doesn't, uh, you know, sit in a corner and wonder, oh, will someone come up to me and say they love me? Nope, he's going to get it. He's aggressive in seeking out love. And, um, you know, when Shelby's been gone quite a bit this summer, and so I've taken care of him in the morning, and he will come lumbering down the stairs. And he's he's a 55-pound dog, and he'll come lumbering down the stairs, and his little tail's wagging, and, and, and and he wants to play right off, you know, and I'll usually be in prayer or worship or something. But there he is, wanting love. You know what? Um, I there's a there's a ginormous misunderstanding about how love works. I honestly think if Christians, if Christians could understand this, absolutely change everything about them. Number one, you were made for love. Number two, God's love is different than human love. You might have someone in your life that, um, you know, you, you see them, you're like, do I go talk to them? Um, maybe they will make me feel good about my life and about my day, and, and maybe I'll get some love over there. You know, you're not conscientiously thinking that, but subconsciously, you, a lot of times people are wanting, you know, if I go talk to that person, I go, you know, um, and then you sometimes are kind of drawn to people that lift you up and build you up and, and give you love. And so you'll go over there. But then, you know, everyone has an off day. You see that person that usually is in a good mood and you are avoiding the person that often brings you down or is in a bad mood. But you go to that person, but they everybody has an off day and they, they're not always on and, and they maybe they're having a very negative moment and what you were seeking out of the conversation conversation you didn't get. You didn't walk away, you know, revived and filled up. But the thing with God, it's different with God. You know, it's, those people are like a fishing hole and you go there, sometimes you catch some love, sometimes you don't. But do you know with God, if you go to God, the Bible says God 
is love. You know, it says that in 1 John 4, 7 and 8. And it says in Psalm 63, 3, his love is better than life. It says in Song of Solomon 1, verses 2, his love is more delightful than wine. You remember on the day of Pentecost when they got filled with the Holy Spirit and they were accused of being drunk. They were so in love with God, they couldn't stand up straight. And then Peter started preaching. So, you know, the love of God's intoxicating. The love of God is a powerful thing. It gives you wings. Do you remember when you were married and you're, and you're in those early stages of marriage and you didn't have any money to get you through the week and you'd look at each other and say, well, we're just going to live on love this week. You know, Melanie and I still say that sometimes. We, we're looking at our finances like, well, you know what? We're going to live on love this week and trust God because I don't know how this is going to work. But when you're young and you're in love and, and you know what? Um, but a lot of people think, a lot of people think that um, I'll go to this person, I'll go to that person. But what if we made a shift? No, God is the one who's the endless source. It says in First John four sixteen, we know and rely on the love that God has for us. Don't be relying on other people to bring you up and over. You know, get with God. And one of the other huge, huge things I wish we could understand as a culture, we every uh, chick flick and, and romance movie, romance novels, it's all about love at first sight and falling in love. But do you know in many cultures where they're like Mary and Joseph grew up in and many cultures today in the Middle East, there are arranged marriages. And, and I, I remember hearing a, a, a man from India talking about this and saying, you know, in his culture, you don't just see someone who's pretty, fall in love, get married and try and work. But sometimes your parents put that together and love comes over time. Now, I'm not saying that it's wrong to have love at first sight or things, but one of the fallacies that I think watching our movies and reading our books, one of the fallacies is you can fall in and fall out of love and then, well, I, I lost that feeling and there's nothing I can do about it. That's not true, especially with God. Because in the Bible, it teaches us in Psalm 33, verse 5, it says, God's unfailing love, it's everywhere. And it says, now notice in Colossians chapter 3, go take your Bibles, go to Colossians 3, verse 1. I think this is such a huge misnomer. If we, the love of God gives you wings. The love of God is better than life. The love of God, it gives you purpose. It gives you meaning. It stirs a romance. And not in a, a man-woman type of way, but in the classical sense. If you take a dictionary and you look up the word romance, you'll find these three common things. Excitement, mystery, remoteness. To get alone and to only be with. There's a romance side that we want to have. And, and it's not necessarily sensual. Our, our love with God isn't like that. But there's this part of God where there's something exciting. There's something mysterious because I don't know what God's going to do. And I just want to be alone with him. And I'm telling you, when, when you are at work and work is a bore, but you're thinking, man, I can't wait till I get home and I can be alone with God. I can't, you know, there, I love preaching. But there's many Sundays where I can't wait to just get this done and get home and be with God, just to be with him, to hear his voice, to feel his presence, to put my head on his chest. And it takes time to cultivate that. That's why it says in Proverbs 17, 9, foster love. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says, 
foster it. Some versions uh, in, in Proverbs 17.9 say seek love. You got to seek it. It's not just something you fall in and fall out of. You, you have to make the intentional to keep. Now, you, you've read all those, those marriage books that talk about keeping the fire in your marriage. Well, it's the same thing with your love with God. It's the exact same thing. You got to keep that fire. You, in, in fact, Jesus tells a church at Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2, you've forsaken your first love. Do what you did at first. He holds them responsible for falling out of love. They were busy doing good things. They were not busy being with him. We got we to gotta be with God. Look at what it says in Colossians 3, verse 1. I think it really speaks into this. Not, not falling in and out of love, but it says, since then you've been raised with Christ. Now you're Christians. You're, you're going in the right direction. Set your heart on things above. You and I have a direct impact on whether we are in love with God. He, think about it. He never changes. He's, you remember the, I've told this story before, but there's an old couple uh, in their 70s and their 80s driving in an old Buick, and, and they had a big, long bench seat in the front seat of this old Buick, and she's sitting over by her window. He's sitting by his window. And she looks at him and says, oh, honey, you remember when we used to sit so close and snuggle like we were young and in love? And the old timer looked at him and says, honey, I do remember. And then he winked at her and says, I didn't move. <laughs> you know, she's the one that slid all the way over. He, he didn't move at all. He's behind the steering wheel. He can't move. It's that way with God. He didn't move. He didn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. His love is constantly being poured out. Now, sometimes, you know, you got a man who, uh, he has an affair, cheats on his wife, not with another woman, with golf, with something fun, with a hobby, with a boat, <laughs> with, with making money, working long hours, his career. You know, sometimes we we fall out of love. No, we, we didn't really fall out of love. I, we worked our way out of love. It wasn't instant. It, it wasn't, it's very clear to see what happened. It wasn't mysterious. We started to make priorities and we started, we spent more time with something else. We put our affection on something else. And, uh, you know, I, I think about how many movies, how many romance movies are made? And, there's a couple, I don't know how many. This is such a common theme. There's, there's a man and woman, they don't like it. They're, they, they're almost like brother and sister at each other's sort. But then there's a crisis. You know, the plane is hijacked. The boat is sinking. You know, something terrible happens. Uh, you know, Melanie and I watched it. There's a George Clooney, Julia Roberts movie came out, I think this year. And they, they're divorced. They've been divorced a long time. They hate each other. But their daughter gets, um, falls in love and is going to get married to some islander, you know, like Paul, you know, he's out on, and not Hawaii, but like some remote kind of island. And so they, they're out there. They hate each other. They've been divorced for several years. And, um, but you know, they're on this romantic island. There's a wedding, their daughter's getting married and they have to work together. And you know what? They, they're kind of forced to do some stuff together. They're forced to be around each other, and an old flame gets rekindled. It's a fun little chick flick. I can't remember the name of it. But how many times? There, there's, some, there's a major crisis or there's something they got to do, and it 
forces this couple back together or maybe together for the first time and they were at each other's throats when the movie started and now they're in love because it, they didn't fall in love. There, there was very key elements of we have to trust each other and then we had to fight for one another and there's, there's these key elements. It's not coincidence. Love isn't just something we fall into and, and with God, he's never moved. He's never changed. We get to control very, very, very much how in love with God we are. That's crazy. And that love, it's the fuel. It's the oxygen for absolutely everything. You know, I have a friend. And when I get around this friend, about half the time, I can tell they're lonely, empty, and they're looking for love and encouragement and, and they just have that kind of victim mentality. You can see it in their eyes, you know. And um and men oh they have the time? They're they're doing great and, and they're a giver. They're ready, they're they're filled up and they're ready to serve and give. Half the time they're super, super empty and they're a taker. They are they are there, they're they're in the conversation, whatever they're doing, they are there to take love. And it's, it's so interesting to me because, and I actually, you know, I've wondered maybe this person, maybe they have, bi maybe they're bipolar or maybe there's something going on chemically that they have no control over. I don't know. But it's, it's interesting because, you know, God doesn't change. God doesn't move. Love, love is something, it says in Proverbs 7, 9, foster it, seek it. You know, if you want it, go get it. And, and it's yours. It's free. And, you know, in, in Song of Solomon, um, chapter 2, and you can go there if you want, when the uh, Solomon is talking uh, about, actually, I think this, the Shulamite is talking back, this, this woman that Solomon has fallen in love with, and it's, of course, this is the best love story probably in all the Bible, Solomon and the Shulamite, Song of Solomon. But it's really a picture of Jesus and the church is really what this book is about. But look what it says. Uh, She's speaking here, Song of Solomon 2. I am a rose of Sharon, a lily of the valleys. She understands who she is and her beauty. Now, if you go back and read chapter 1, it's because, watch this, he's pursuing her. She, it says in chapter 1, she's out there, she's dark, she's tan, she's working in the field, and, and she's got a farmer's tan. She's not real pretty, doesn't think of herself much, but Solomon sees her. Oh, he's in love. And now the story shifts. She says, I'm a Rose of Sharon. I'm a... She understands her beauty because Solomon is chasing her. Solomon's interested. What if the church today, what if Christians could they, they get a hold of Jesus? He's pursuing you. He loves you. What's it say in Zechariah 3, 17? He sings over you. He delights in you. He's so interested in you. Yeah, you. Are you like the Shulamite? You're working out in the field because your brothers mistreated you? It says in chapter 1, the brothers were unkind and making her work a vineyard. And you know, every reason to feel bad about her life, feel bad about herself. But there's a, there's a man, king of, king of all the land, is interested. Listen, you have the king of kings, the Lord of lords. He's interested in you. Oh, it's way better than Jesus is interested in you. And it shifts, completely shifts your understanding, your identity. 
and he never stops. This is, it's different than, than a husband or a brother or a father. It's different than, than a wife or a daughter. His love is the essence of who he is. Beloved, God is love. 1 John 4, 7 and 8. This is how we know what love is. It's because God is love. Then look, it says, Solomon responds, like a lily among the thorns is my darling among the young women. There is something he sees about the Shulamite. She is different and special in a way. Now, Solomon had a lot of wives. <laughs> and Jesus looks out. There's a lot of people he loves. But he sees the thing about you that makes you special, makes you unique, makes you different. There's something about you. I don't know who you are listening right now, but I'm telling you, look at your thumb. Everyone stop. Look at your thumb. The FBI can find you. Why? Because there's something different about that thumbprint. <laughs> God put your thumbprint on you to make you special, unique, and different. Your DNA is different. Your thumbprint's different. There's something about you. Jesus is chasing. He's pursuing. And there's something unique. You see that in verse 2 right there. Now look at verse 3. She's going to respond. Now there's a famous verse. You've heard it a hundred times. I'm going to explain this verse to you if you never understood it. Um, famous song written about verse 4. Let's get there. Verse 3. Like an apple tree among the trees of the forest is my beloved among the young men. So she's talking about Solomon. I delight to sit in his shade. See the romance, see the mystery, see that there's excitement to be with. Okay, you can have that with Jesus. Men, women, children. It's, don't think about the sensual part of it. Think about romance in the classical sense of the word romance. Romance in this Webster dictionary sense. It's about remoteness away. Just me and Jesus. It's about mystery. It's about the beauty. It's about the excitement. I, I, I'm looking forward to being with God, to sit in his shade, and his fruit is sweet to the taste. There's, that, that's why the Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. There's always, always, always his goodness. There's always something about his goodness. Find it, you, but you gotta seek it. Proverbs 17, 9, seek, love, foster it. You gotta chase it. You know, if you want it, you gotta be like Poe. Don't, don't be like Sophie and sit over there licking your paw. Come get it. <laughs> be an Australian shepherd. Be a dog, not a cat. Come get it. Chase it. Start worshiping. Start dancing. Detach. What are you in love with right now that's hurting your love with God? Well, I'm in, I'm, during football season, I'm, maybe I'm watching too much football. I, I've been convicted of that. What are you, what are you looking at on, online right now? What is your heart? What are your eyes? How are you spending your money? Like, the detach. From, from whatever your heart's chasing and just attach it to him. He hasn't moved over. He's that older man sitting in the Buick. He hasn't moved, love. He, he's right there. Just slide back over. Get back in the love. The love of God will give you wings and you'll fly. You'll soar. You'll sing. You, you'll have, then, then when you walk up to the conversation, you're not there just, oh, I hope someone says something to encourage me and fill me up. No, you're not coming to take, 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 take. You're not a taker. You're a giver. You're filled up with the love of God. You're coming over there to, to, to put a hand on his shoulder. You're coming over there to bless somebody. You're, you're a Christian. You're salty earth. You're light of the world. You're a city on a hill that can't be hidden. You're not just coming to take. You're coming to give something because you're filled up. What does it say in Ephesians 3? Be filled up. His love, it's higher, wider, longer, deeper. And, and then it says there in Ephesians 3, 17 and 18, to be filled up with the love of God, all the fullness of the love of God. You can be filled with the fullness of the love of God, it says, Ephesians 3, 17 and 18. Now look at your verse 4. You know this verse. We'll, we'll wrap it up with this. 
you know this first. There used to be an old song made real famous. I, it might have been in the 80s, it, maybe before. Let him lead me. So the Shulamite, this woman who was a nobody, farmer's tan, rejected by her brothers, forced her to work in a field, but the king saw her, loved her, called her, looked out, said, hey, you know, so he's invited her, and, and, and now she's his favorite. And it says in Song of Solomon 2, verse 4, let him lead me. She's speaking to him. Let Solomon lead me to the banquet hall. And you know, what happens at a banquet hall? Feast. Eat, 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 eat. And let his banner over me be love. Now, what's that mean? Imagine, you know, Solomon's sitting there. He's got, you know, some of his wives with him. And there's, there's, let's say there's 10 wives at this big table. And every one of them has a banner over them that represents how he feels toward them. And, you know, maybe he looks over there and he sees that one and she is one of the most diligent. Man, she's so diligent. He has a big banner that says diligent over her. He's got a banner over this one that says um, found because, you know, maybe maybe that she was lost and then he found her. He's got a banner over this one that says friend. Oh, that's nice. So she's one of, one of her best friends. But he's got a banner over all these women that points out something that he likes about them. But what the Shulamite is saying is, I'm special. I'm different than all of these others because the banner over my head at the table says, I am loved. I'm loved. Now think about that. All the other banners all around that table that say something good, if your banner says loved, it includes all those others. It trumps all those others. Jesus looks at his bride and says, she, you are loved. You're loved. And he loves you because he died for you. He loves you because he is love. But he has this mysterious way to look at you and see the good and to trust he's going to finish the work that he started in you. He knows your future. He knows the greatest things you're going to accomplish. You haven't even accomplished them yet. And he's waiting and he's expecting. He knows those moments where you're going to slip away and have an encounter where you pray and you worship and you soak for an hour or two in the presence and you come away and you're so alive and you're actually alone with Jesus. You've been there for an hour. Maybe you've been there for two hours and you're worshiping and you're praying and the love is growing and it's just like a fire that's getting hotter and you're begging Jesus for five more minutes. The phone is ringing. The kids want supper. Something's going on. But but you can can't get away because you're like, Jesus, just five more minutes. Can I just be with you for five more minutes, Lord, <laughs> to be in love with God? Oh, it's, it's, a, it's an awesome thing. It's an awesome thing. Heavenly Father, I just pray that you would ignite the flame of love, that you would do something special in everyone listening today, that you would help us to know, well, love isn't just something we fall in. It's something we got to work for. It's something we got to chase and pursue. It's something that we got to take risk. Sometimes you, you invite us to get out of the boat and try to walk on water because that's where you are and it's risky, but you'll pick us up if we fall down. And in the process, love will be reborn. God, show us whatever we need to do to kindle that love, to set our hearts on things above. Thank you, for Jesus. Thank you for Jesus. Forgive us of all of our sins. 
God, would you, would you fix the things that are broken in our lives? Would you fix the things that are broken in our hearts? Would you, anything that our eyes and our heart, our time and our money, where we have attached to those things so much, it's a distraction to our love with you. God, separate us out. Separate our hearts out. Forgive us for having an affair with anything that our eyes, our hearts are looking at. And let us come back to first love, to look at you, to behold you, to remember all that you've done, all the excitement, all the romance, all the mystery that's ahead for us. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Have an awesome week, beloved. I want to be on the frequency of Christ. I want to be 